0: Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith.
1: I am David Bax,
0: and thank you for listening David yes how you doing?
1: uh very excited,
0: very excited. uh I assume because the show went so well last night. The
1: live show was quite a success. yes,
0: it went very well We're, I'm tougher on us than uh, than David is, but uh yeah,
1: yeah, we had an even better turnout than last time yeah um every every comedian was just right on the money, even Paul Goebel. Uh, <laughs> and, um, i like
0: how we throw these little slams at gobel in our show knowing he'll never he'll <laughs> no, never hear them no
1: he doesn't listen um and we're already we're so uh, so excited we're already planning on september 4th as september the date, 4th as is the date what we're for our next at. one it's it's we have to email meltdown work it out come yeah. monday uh by the time you're hearing this but uh that's the date so mark your calendars early september 4th battleship retention live round three
0: yeah, and already I'm starting to think maybe I'm, I think I'm out of town at some point in September, but I don't think it's that early. Okay. So, we'll, we'll see what we can do.
1: Okay, but I'm, so I'm excited about the live show. Absolutely. Very happy with it. Also very excited because we decided to do something different and just welcome a, a regular run-of-the-mill fan on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> as, as a guest to if, the podcast. If now, you're a
0: big enough fan, you can be on the show. <laughs> That's what we learned from today.
1: So, uh, So, your name is David, is that right? That's correct. David,
0: David Chen. David Chen, yes. No, of course we're joking. Say, it's, it's an
2: honor to be here. Oh, my gosh. I
1: can't believe I'm <laughs> sitting in one of Tyler Smith's chairs in his house right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, of course, that is the voice of Dave Chen, twitter.com slash Dave Chensky from the wildly successful slash film slash film, slash film cast podcast and the Tobolowsky Files. Podcast. Yeah. And that's the thing. So f- early in the show I'm, st- I'm stumbling over my, <laughs> yeah, you're my all right. tongue a little bit. You'll be fine.
0: Um <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean we don't they don't need us to tell them that, David. Uh the slash film cast Tobolowski files they like these are these are very much more popular than you and I. Mm-hmm. We feel very jealous, uh very envious. Uh we just we really uh i'm very bitter towards their <laughs> level of popularity and uh i'm i mean i'm excited that uh dave would stoop to our level to be on the show so this is very exciting dave welcome
2: thank you um, i just want to say yeah it, it's it's an honor and uh i'm glad you guys know your place <laughs> in the podcasting universe <laughs> and as long as you understand <laughs> where we are in relation to each other. I think Exactly. A lot of fun. In all seriousness, though, I'm a huge fan of the Battleship Pretension podcast. And it's it really is great to finally come here and chat with you guys on the show. It is an honor for me. Because actually, uh, back when we first started uh, the uh-huh. Slash Homecast, the way I heard about you guys was someone heard about us from
1: you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's how I started listening to you guys. Yeah, we did so, an episode with... Um,
0: 71, I believe.
1: Okay, with a uh, uh, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, formerly yeah. of the Experts in Intermediates podcast, um, in <sighs> which we uh, talked about other film podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and I, remember, I
2: remember the joke, or quote-unquote joke, it probably wasn't a joke, that Tyler made. He said something along the lines of, you know, if you're going to listen to a film podcast... You might it might as well be the best, and that would be us, obviously. But if you have oh, to yeah. if you have to listen to one other one, <laughs> yeah, then you know, and then you name some of the other
0: ones. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you got to go with, you know, you go with steak first, and then maybe some hamburgers it, or something. But exactly. I think of
1: the ones we talked about, slash film might be the only one that's still around. I can't no, remember no, I the, think we talked uh, about watching the directors, and they're not around. They're not
0: around. Um, the uh, oh shoot, what's the Brit one? Yeah, the, the, the movies know, I, you should see. Movies yeah. you should see. They, they, still they're still around. They're oh, still they are, yeah. Okay, I thought they had folded for some. Yeah, reason. Hollywood yeah, Hollywood Saloon, I think, was gone. Although I hear they're coming back.
1: I think they still exist as well. Yeah. Okay, because so there was talk of them going <laughs> this away. Will, this will feed into our conversation later, but uh, <laughs> Tyler and I don't listen to a lot of film podcasts <laughs> or read a lot of online film. Yeah. But, but your I point.
2: Your point stands that any show which you praise, it's basically the kiss of death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about right. It ends up dying. But
1: I, I mean, I, I listen to. Slash Film, I listen to Criterion Cast, and I sometimes listen to The Treatment if I'm interested. Mm. And that's that's it. And Doug, Love, Doug Loves Movies, which is more of a comedy podcast. I don't
0: even listen to that one very much anymore. Those
1: are the only film podcasts I listen to.
0: Yeah, I uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, very few of them uh, film-related. <laughs> you would think that I would want to inundate myself uh, with film, uh, and I will, listen to the, uh, I will listen to probably, I would say, one in five episodes of Slash Film. Uh, depending on the film, because I'm interested bad. to... Better than my friends. <laughs> okay, there you go. And... Um well, hold,
2: let's take a minute here then for me to say some of my favorite film podcasts sure. because I listened to them. You frequently. go right ahead. Actually, uh, You guys saw that list I made. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the that one where you nice said we us. weren't very
0: dynamic. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah,
2: I remember. Tyler would always focus on the negative. <laughs> yeah, numbers. I know. you always focus on the negative despite the fact that I put it on the list of podcasts I can't live without. <laughs> I know. And praised you guys greatly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, but okay, yeah. You, no, no, no criticism, that's fine. I, I understand. <laughs> if you can't take it, that's fine. I, I, no, uh, I can't. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my favorite podcasts. uh Movie podcasts, uh-huh. IFC News Podcast, okay. I, IFC News Podcast at ifc.com slash podcast with Matt Singer and Alison Wilmore, both of whom I really enjoy. Uh, the The Business on KCRW, mm-hmm. coming from Santa Monica, which... Do you... Yep. Yeah.
1: I used to like The Business. I don't with, like... Uh, you don't like Kim Masters? Yeah. I
2: think she She's all right. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I like the fact that her name is Kim Masters. <laughs> Makes me feel like she's knows what she's doing right <laughs> and you know she, i think she does a good job and they do re- really interesting stu- like premises for the their, their episodes yeah. and uh film spotting and creative screenwriting podcast i think mm. those are all essential listening in my mind so just if, in case because i know people listening to this probably like listening to movie podcasts yeah yeah. check those out and have of you, course the slash filmcast.
1: have you ever checked out uh Another one of the podcasts that was mentioned alongside both of us in the Movie Maker Magazine article was uh, our friend Pilar Alessandra's podcast On the Page. I have mm-hmm. not, but I'm aware that she has been a guest on your show before. Yeah, yeah and right. it's it, that's, that's also one that's right. very much worth listening to. Right. Even It's ostensibly for screenwriters, but yeah. it, it, I think it, right. any film fan could find something to love
0: about and it. Also, PLR just in general. And I'm not saying this just because she was on our show and we know her, but like she's just a very she's very easy to listen to in a lot of ways. Like she's got a, a very good broadcasting voice. She's very uh, she's not really that pretentious at all. Like for for a screenwriting teacher to be completely unpretentious <laughs> is really something. And uh, and she's just uh, yeah she's just a very pleasant uh, person with really good tips and uh, has very good interviews. It's a it's a really good podcast. I recommend it. Very cool.
1: So enough about that. Let's talk before we get into the topic. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, before we get into it, let's let's talk about Dave Chen and his last film cast for a while. Yeah. Um, I imagine a lot of our listeners know this, especially those who listened, who listened to your show and listened to the recent 100th episode retrospective, where you guys talked about how the slash filmcast came to be. But give us the quick, the, the elevator speech version of, of uh, that.
2: Okay. This might not contain, be, be able to be contained in an elevator speech, but it, yeah, uh, I started this podcast with uh, one of my high school, not high school, college friends uh, and some random kid I met on the internet uh-huh. uh, named Adam Quigley and my, my college friend is Devinder Hardwar. We started it, yeah, about two and a half years ago. And it was just us sitting around talking about movies, doing one review a week. Mm-hmm. and five months later uh the editor-in-chief of slash com liked what we were doing acquired us and instantly our our viewership jumped by like 10 times because at the at that point in time uh you know slash com was already they had like millions mm-hmm. of hits a month and stuff and we were pulling in like 120 listeners uh a week mm-hmm. wow. and we were like oh, okay you know that's uh, we were really actually psyched about that. We were like, man, like you know this is th- we have made it like if, <laughs> if we can get one hundred and twenty listeners a week, like that is far beyond <laughs> our like any of our expectations uh, because you know it 's just the three of us talking about movies and then after that, you know our our viewership jumped up by ten times because it was a, a much bigger platform mm-hmm. and uh, and then we were able to get access to um, directors and actors and other People from the entertainment industry who we would never have been able to, mm-hmm. and then you know it's a, it was like a virtuous circle where uh, more high profile names and stuff means more people listen, and more mm-hmm. people listen means more high profile names, and so uh, we were able to build uh, the podcast in that way.
0: Now I will say uh, the the whole thing sounds very insidious uh, because <laughs> the way you say that they like they acquired us yeah. it almost they, sounds like you had no choice in they matter they absorbed us <laughs> it was a the host- tractor beam. It was a hostile takeover <laughs> <laughs> they made us a part of their collective <laughs>
2: it was it was an offer you was, now pay tithes to peter Soretta <laughs> exactly the editor in chief of slashfilm.com it was uh it was a situation where we were going to do it for free anyway yeah. you know and it's like oh and he's going to pay us some amount to do it so it's like okay, well, we get more listeners and we get paid to do something we would otherwise do for free. It yeah. was hard; it was difficult to say no. Yeah, to that. And I'll just say, just people—I don't know what people are thinking when they think of paid, but it is
0: enough to, you
2: know, that it's it's cool to do. But it's not like I can—I I don't live off of the
0: podcast. It's just yeah. a nice supplement. It's an, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. exactly right. Yeah. To your uh, to your day job, which is—I'm <laughs> that's a joke, of course. Um, but, uh, but uh,
1: let's talk. Um, I want to talk about sort of. You as a film fan, how did you, uh, how did you come to be such a film fan? Were, were you, was it a college thing? Were you, did you guess, grow up watching movies? I guess
2: I was kind of a latchkey kid, oh, you know. Okay. If it, and yeah. for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, what that uh, phrase means, it's just basically like my parents. Uh, I'm I'm a Asian immigrant, and uh, my parents uh, owned a Chinese restaurant when they're growing up, and I don't know if any of you know what the restaurant business is like, hmm. but it's very difficult. Yeah. And uh, it takes long hours and stuff. And I'm obviously very grateful for all the sacrifices they made. Um, but that means that, you know, I spent a lot of time watching television and movies when I was a kid. Mm. And uh, I always liked how, you know, movies can make you feel a certain way or think a certain way, or at least provoke your thought in a certain way. And I always liked to discuss movies. I always had this urge to, to talk about like, oh, what'd you think of the movie? Because whenever I'm with people like friends and I bring up the topic of movies. It's always mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, even today when we're having breakfast, it was mm-hmm. like because uh, we we all ate together uh, this this morning with uh, Peter Seraetta, and yeah, and you
1: mentioned me on Twitter, and I <laughs> <laughs> my phone keeps getting new Twitter uh, followers. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> way to go, thank you. Uh,
2: and you can follow me by the way on Twitter at twitter.com slash Dave Chensky. It's Dave, Dave Chensky. But but going back to the topic at hand, uh, it's, it's even when you we brought up movies at at breakfast, or you know, it's like everyone just gets like really animated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this common thing that everyone can can uh, talk about and have passionate feelings about. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of what really drew me into you know, sort of uh, one of the first sites I ever read was Chud.com, Chud com. C H U D Cinematic Happenings Under Development, and the way they wrote about movies, it was really acerbic and witty and uh, biting and yeah, I, starky. To talk about and, Chud for just a second, because like yeah.
1: I said, I don't read. I don't regularly regularly read anything, but I really like Chud because I won't name names for these other examples. There's a lot of film film geek journalism, film geek websites that, for all their geekiness, they're not good writers. Chud, on the other hand, uh, Devin Devin Faraci, is that how you yes Devin Farachi, yep uh, that guy knows how to write. I really like reading. I agree I'm a,
2: i I like his writing and yeah. uh, and he was you know he, that was like one of the first sites I've read mm-hmm. and that was kind of what made me think oh man yeah I want to try like writing about movies and talking about
0: movies you know that's what really got me into yeah. it um I, I will ask you a question that is is uh occasionally posed to me and the nature of the question sounds very uh, standoffish and 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 not just because they're asking it to me, and I assume everything is standoffish.
2: Um, I'm already turned <laughs> off right now. Okay, <laughs> now. it'll be fine.
0: We'll, 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 we're going to make it through it. Um, so, when start like you said, oh, I, I want to try. I want to try writing about film. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Um, and then, of course, to jump from that to a podcast, uh, I will try to phrase it uh, the way people phrase it to me. What was it about? What, what did you think you would be bringing to the table? Like, why? Why did you think that your opinion uh, deserved to be out there? People ask me that more than like enough that I'm starting to think like, geez, maybe it shouldn't. That's uh, well, I think. W- at well, there's point, no. We're,
1: there's almost, g- we're almost getting into the topic. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I guess kind we should of. delay that but, because I actually have a response to that as but well. But there's,
2: oh, okay. there's no like right answer to that question because right. either you're super smart or right. you shouldn't be doing it. You know, yeah. so no.
1: my my answer so, to that is that the. <coughs> Uh, the internet is 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 mostly a democracy and it's not up to you to decide anyone can put their voice out there it's up mm-hmm. to the internet to decide if it's worth listening to right yeah. you know that's we've talked about all the you know that a lot of podcasts don't last very long because they don't no. uh, they don't gain traction
0: yeah this were this uh I, when i when i thought of the question i really did not think of how much it would get us into the topic yeah. so let's so hold off yeah i don't yeah. want to get there okay yet. all right but so we'll, should, we'll revisit it okay
2: yeah. so should I not answer the question don't answer it okay. yet. We'll, we'll stick we'll a pin there. in <laughs> that <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. table it yeah
1: but, uh, <laughs> <yes>. um, <laughs> um, I want to uh, I guess I want to talk about the Tobolowski files too because yes. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to slash film I'm I hope a lot of them are listening to the Tobolowski files mm-hmm. which is top five favorite podcast for me uh, David what is that and how did it come about alright short version of story or long version what
2: do you think which one's more interesting um, what if neither of them are interesting? <laughs> somewhere no, somewhere just... in the middle. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, so, all right, yeah, I, I told the story yesterday. It was, it was pretty good, so let's okay. just, let's give it a shot, okay? The listeners can decide if this is inter- I'll tell from your faces whether or not you're still with me by the <laughs> way. Oh, man, here we go. <laughs> okay, so, essentially, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky is an actor who hmm. has appeared in over 200 television shows and films. Uh, he has played icon- what, some of the iconic characters... Of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the most iconic character that he's played is probably the character of Ned Ryerson mm-hmm. from Groundhog Day starring mm-hmm. Bill Murray. Uh, he immortalized the phrase, watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. And sorry, I cannot do justice to it. Sure. You know, <laughs> Bing, belly button whistle, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. If you know mm-hmm. that movie. He was, more recently, he was, in Sa- he was Sammy Jenkins in Memento. Yep. Um, remember Sammy Jenkins? He was the guy that could never remember and uh in in that movie and he's also on tv in glee right now playing the character sandy ryerson and he will be in the upcoming season of californication so he's,
1: he's like he's always working it, he was uh commissioner hugo Jari from deadwood
0: correct well. yeah correct in which you got to see uh an absolutely insane uh, impression of a bird uh, exactly which you i find I that on youtube i believe oh nice. so
2: so his name is stephen Tobolowski. if you don't know him by name you know his face and oh, yeah. you almost definitely see something he's been in yeah um there is a movie, a movie came out a few years ago called Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party. Mm-hmm. And there's a trailer for Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party online right now. I'd encourage you guys to go check it out. Oh, yeah. um, you go on YouTube and Google it or whatever. And it's basically Stephen going up to a bunch of random people and saying, do you know who Stephen Tobolowsky is? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you know, there's this whole montage of people saying, nope, 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 nope. And then he's like, you know, if you were to guess who he is... Would you guess? And you know, there's like, you know, a banker, politician, a porn star, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, that's such a clever trailer because I knew who he was at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, that's very clever. And years, I never saw the movie. It did the film festival circuit and never was in theaters or anything. Right. Years later, someone mentioned it in one of our live chat rooms. We record our show, The Slash Filmcast Live, and I was like, yeah, I should go check that movie out. So uh, I bought the movie. I just went to the site. Bought the DVD, which I very rarely do. Uh-huh. Uh, I just bought the DVD, and the the site looked like it was uh, wh- it was very web 1.0. If you are familiar mm. with, it. It was, yeah. you know, it looked like it was from late 90s or something like that, early 2000s. So I was actually not confident that I, I would actually get the DVD in the mail. <laughs> so I I called up the site owner because uh, it said on the PayPal like what the site owner was, and it was. Um, a company called Monster Releasing, which still sells the DVDs, by the way, and after the files have gone, you know, the yeah. DVD sales have gone up a lot. Oh, uh, good. The, uh, you know, someone picked up the phone, and they're like, uh, hi, you know, h- hello. And I was like, I expected someone to say, hi, this is Monster Releasing. You know, it was just like some, some person saying yeah. hello. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, uh, hi, is this Monster Releasing? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I just ordered a, a copy of uh, Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party, uh, just making sure you guys got it. And he's like, yeah, 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 we, we still ship them out. I was like, oh, very cool, very cool. So, uh, you know, all right, well, thanks. Uh, and then I was about to hang up the phone. But before I did that, I said, hey, by the way, you know, just out of habit, because whenever I talk to a customer service representative, I'm always like, hey, what's your name? And uh, just in case I need to call him again, right. I can say I had a conversation with so-and-so about this. And he's like, oh, my name's Robert. And I was like, are you Robert Brinkman? And Robert Brinkman, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is a, a very a good cinematographer uh-huh. who also directed Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party. Mm. And was uh-huh. good friends with Stephen. And I was like, Robert Brinkman? And he's like, yeah, that's me. And I was like, oh, you directed the movie? And he said, yes. And I said, oh, and we, I was like, you know, explained who I was. I, at that point, the Slash Filmcast was already started. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, you know, I bet Stephen would love to come on your show and talk about the movie. And we're like, oh, that'd be amazing. So he came on our show. He was great. Appeared on the Slash Filmcast a few more times. And at at his most recent appearance, uh, about nine months ago, I said to Stephen. So so for those of you who don't know, Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party is just a movie. 90 minutes of him telling stories Mm -hmm. at his birthday party. That's the whole movie. But the stories are really good. They're really well told. They're profound. They're moving. They're thought-provoking. They each have some kind of moral that you can apply to your own life. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Um I love the stories and I said to Stephen I said you know uh Stephen I feel like you there are so many more stories in your head just waiting to get out into the world. And like but if we don't capture them, preserve them in some way, <laughs> they'll be lost forever. Mm-hmm. So if you ever would like to preserve them in some kind of podcast form, let me know. And I never expected him to say yes, but uh he had a gap in his schedule Mm -hmm. um between like glee and californication and he said yeah let's let's give it a shot and we we started and it's been going for six months now so uh it's been really great Uh, people have written in saying how the show has uh, affected them we got written up in the guardian for example and, and other things like that so it's been really uh sort of um, it's so, something I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. actually. to To a larger extent than I'm proud of the Slash Filmcast, because actually, it's like I I feel like I put more work into it. Because of uh, if you listen to it, like the amount of work required for file files actually
0: more than the, for the Slash Filmcast. So, yeah. well, and it's something that it's something that literally wouldn't. I mean, Slash Film is 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 similar, but people wouldn't have this if it weren't for you exactly he wouldn't exactly he wouldn't have you know steven wouldn't have taken the initiative to do this he wouldn't have he wouldn't have thought to right you know and so uh, so now people are um every once in a while like we'll get an email uh about a guest episode and they're like oh i really liked that and like a guest who doesn't maybe do a lot of appearances and they're like oh i really like that that was really great and it sounds it sounds weird but in that moment you're like I feel like I've really accomplished something, here. right? Exactly. You know what I mean. So exactly. I've really done something with you've my made life. a connection, yeah. that e- otherwise wouldn't have existed. And even though the focus is not really on me, just as to you, uh, just yeah. as Tobolsky files, the focus is not on you. Correct. It's still something that you put you facilitated, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um,
2: so yeah, no, th- that's definitely the case. And um, uh, just so people know, yeah, it's a storytelling podcast. You can go download it right now, check it out at TobolskyFiles dot com, and uh, check out the episodes and see what you
1: think of it.
0: But yeah. Yeah. It's a good show and very
1: a, like I said, top five
0: podcasts. Yeah. Very very funny, very touching. Uh it's 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 a very good show. And there's how,
1: also plenty of like insidery stuff if you're a fan of, mm-hmm. of Deadwood yeah. or And and uh a
2: lot of actors, like aspiring actors, mm-hmm. have found a lot of good advice in the mm-hmm. show because Steven talks a lot about how he becomes an actor. But anyway, okay. I don't want to keep plugging the show. Um how was the story, by the way? Is that okay? That was, was good. That like, was fine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could have shaved maybe a minute off it, but I th- I'm, I'm I'm pleased with it.
0: Well, no, those like stories like that are interesting because we we've had frequent uh, uh, incidents where, just like I'll find somebody I'll find somebody on Facebook, for example, Nathan Basil, found him on
1: Facebook, star of
0: uh, star of Behind the, the mask, mask,
1: The Rise of Leslie Vernon,
0: yeah, and uh, and so I found him, friended him, he accepted it, and I thought like you know what. What the hell? And so I sent him a thing, right. saying, "Hey, you want to do this?" And I've sent out, I've sent it out to plenty of people who've not, who've either not responded, um, or nobody ever s- emails and says I'm not interested. But the, most people just don't. I respond. I have had
2: people email me really? and say they're not interested, and it's actually, th- yeah, most of the people just don't respond.
0: Yeah, And I'm not sure which one I would rather have. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I would much. I, I, you know, I got my first uh, one of those saying, like, I'm not interested in appearing on your show. And mm-hmm. I was like, so, you know, I actually just prefer no response to yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. I, because I prefer to, to believe that maybe you are too busy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. or, or,
0: you know, the, the person follows, like, P.S., I'm more of a film spotting kind of guy. Oh, <laughs> and just, um, are you serious? No, no, no. It okay. wasn't anything like that. Okay. No. I was going to say, that would um, be, be rough. But, uh, <laughs> but every once in a while, like, you just throw something out there, not expecting anything to come of it. And then the person's like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Wha- 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 what? 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 Exactly. Now, admit it, yeah, we got uh,
1: Doug Jones on the show, yeah. uh, Maurice LaMarche, which yeah. is a big deal for
0: us. Just people who, uh, they're all, you know. It's
2: like calling and, you know, when you get an answering machine, and but or you're calling expecting an answering machine, but you get the actual person <laughs> instead. Right, huh? Exactly. So, oh, uh, I don't know what to say now. I was expecting yeah. the machine. You know, there's yeah.
1: that online service that you can, like, use this code to, if you call someone's cell phone, it will go straight to their voicemail no matter what. I did not know that. Rob Corddry was talking about it on Never Not Funny. That's right. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it costs something, but there are there are certain people for whom I think it'd be worth yeah, yeah, it yeah, to yeah, not yeah. have a talk I can definitely them. see how that might be useful sometimes. Um, but anyway, that's, that's Tobolowski Files, that's Slash Film. You mm-hmm. all know who Dave Chen is. Let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. The topic here, uh, suggested by Dave himself, was... Yeah. Um, well, why don't you sum it up, actually? Yeah.
2: Oh, well, there's just, you know, there's a lot of talk about the role of film critics today. And the quote-unquote rise of the critic-proof movie as The Guardian put it. Uh, And so I just thought... There's sort of two strands. At at SlashFilm.com, we write about film news. We also write about... um, We also write movie reviews. And Mm -hmm. on the the podcast, we talk about film news, and we kind of try to review a movie. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion about film journalism and film criticism. And it's kind of this interesting role that movie bloggers or movie writers inhabit, mm-hmm. and that they they are both movie critics in some way and they're both, they're also movie journalists in some way. Uh, and I thought it just might be interesting to discuss sort of, you know, what is the nature of those two roles and what is their role, you know, in, in today's movie-going society as it were. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we did an episode very early on that was more about... Just the role of criticism in general, right? But a, that episode was old, and I don't think it's even available anymore, right? And and b, we weren't talking about this sort of uh, internet epoch thing and the way that, right. that that changed it and the way and where film criticism stands now. So yeah. I say we why don't, why don't we start yeah. by taking the pin out of the thing before and Dave answered the question Tyler put to you, which mm-hmm. was what, uh, how'd you phrase it? Uh,
0: like what made you? What made you think that your opinion was worth putting out there?
2: Let me just say that, first of all, uh, to to go back to SlashHome.com really quickly, uh, I mean, when Peter Serretta, the editor-in-chief of SlashHome.com, who I think is very good at his job... Not to be confused with Peter Cetera from right, Chicago. Exactly right. right. And you guys just met him like a, an hour ago. Yeah, good yeah. guy. Uh, yeah, really nice guy. Very good at his job. And uh, when he started SlashHome, I don't think he had any sort of... Uh, sort of pretense of being a film journalist necessarily or uh, uh, i'm sorry that's not true film critic necessarily Mm -hmm. i think his goal was just to blog and write about his experience of watching movies and of like film uh film news Mm -hmm. you know his reaction to film news uh and then but then that kind of that's separate but it overlaps with like film criticism and film journalism so i let me make clear about. I shouldn't have said that he had no aspirations of being a film journalist. But you know what I'm saying. Like he, he wasn't like I, like film journalist. Like that's what I want. I don't think that. I think he just was like I only want to write about movies. Write mm-hmm. uh-huh. about what I think about movies. Write about what I think about movie news. And that's why the slogan of the blog is blogging the real world. R E E L. Very pun mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's we'll, we'll probably come back to. That. Let me ask okay. you a question. Why did I think my opinion was worth putting out there? Uh, I just liked the banter that I had with my colleagues, you know? Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I didn't think like, oh, you know, I, I wasn't thinking to myself, oh, I I, I can be the arbiter of movie taste. I can mm-hmm. tell people what movies they should see and what they shouldn't see. Right. But I think even the worst movies can still be instructive about, oh, yeah. you know, uh, what, like, good or bad filmmaking, and also in some ways about our culture. Mm-hmm. And so... It's the talking about it and the, te- the act of teasing it out that I think is the
1: valuable process.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, David, I know you said uh, you also have an answer for this, or did you already? Well, start I kind of t- just said it. Yeah, yeah.
1: That that's the that's one of the upsides of the internet is anyone anyone can put their stuff out there, and it's up to the uh, it's up to the people on the other end mm-hmm. to decide if it's if it's worthy or not.
0: And I, I mentioned this at uh, at breakfast uh, that my <laughs> my wanting to get in, uh, get into this and start a show was. Uh, very lofty, um, and uh, it didn't necessarily it didn't completely start here. But basically, uh, I started getting into podcasts uh, when I was in Chicago, and uh, and David was out here, and um, and I would listen to comedy podcasts predominantly. And I thought, like, you know, I'm a movie guy; I enjoy movies. Let's see if there's any good movie podcasts out there. And I found some. I don't think I had found uh, film spotting, but I had found a couple that were just incredibly boring. Uh-huh. That were really i 'm not going to say i 'm not going to say what they are because you don't want to you don't <laughs> yeah, want to be yeah. negative about it, but like they might be my colleagues okay <laughs> no, no yeah, i don 't want to do that, but like they're just part of me is just like don't you like you're you 're doing this podcast like I assume you have some kind of passion for this, right right, so where is it i don 't see it at all, so that was the first thing, but then also I would listen to. I Love Movies with Doug Benson, which is a very funny and entertaining podcast.
1: Which is now known as Doug, Love, Doug Loves Movies. No,
0: Yes, it's known as Doug Loves Movies now. And, uh, and I remember thinking like, this is really funny, but they're not talking a lot about movies. Like, movies is kind of the springboard for whatever funny thing they're going to wind up saying, and that's fine. But part of me is like, I can tell all these people have strong opinions about film and could probably express them intelligently, but they're so focused on... Being funny, and it 's a comedy show, so it's it's listed as comedy, so i'm fine with that, but I was like, man, if we got these people talking about film if if we brought like these people's charisma and energy and passion to these informative but yet uh, boring podcasts, then you'd really have something and i don 't consider myself to be the funniest person, but i cer but i i I know that I can have as you say. I have banter with certain people about certain subjects, and I knew that I have it with David, and so I thought, like, all right, I can I, we can do something I think here. You
1: guys are using the word the word banter. I think what it comes down to is personality.
0: Yeah, and I think this is
1: something that uh, I was talking about in the car ride over with Dave that I will I will cop to. I had preconceived notions about what the slash film cast was. Yeah,
2: did mm. did I already say that like uh, earlier on today's show that I I first um, yeah. I first heard about you guys from right. someone who said they started listening to us. Right. And yeah, it was that episode. Yeah. And you it was David Bax that had mentioned uh, that he listened to the Slash Filmcast. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I... And, and Oh, and the word you used... <laughs> uh-huh. The word you used to describe us was kind of a fanboy-ish yeah, podcast. Right. and right.
1: the one episode that I listened to before I said that was the Kevin Smith one. Right, Ke- Kevin it, Smith. It was Kevin Smith and it was the Dark Knight yeah, review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a fanboy episode. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, so I yeah i'll I'll admit i had preconceived notions and uh i am relatively recently a regular slash film listener in fact the two times we've been on the show took place before i really listened to the show Mm -hmm. and uh so i want to replace this word banter with the word personality that's what i like about the slash film cast about dave about davinder and about adam Mm -hmm. is uh that they're they have they bring a distinctive personality to it Mm -hmm. you know like uh and not only do they each have their own personality, but they play off one another well, and that's what a lot of these more boring, sort of very nerdy uh, podcasts uh, are about. And it's a problem with sort of <laughs> it's it's the reason that a lot of nerds can't make themselves interesting to the outside community. Mm-hmm. They're so they take so for granted that what they're talking about is interesting mm-hmm. because it's so interesting to them that they forget to make it interesting to yeah. anyone else. Right. And that's yeah. what I that's why podcasts succeed. It's not just now, although. Slash film and these other guys are very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's still podcasting is still an entertainment format. Yeah, you yeah. know it's still based in in radio. You still have to uh, have you ha- have to be able to hook somebody somehow. And and and, and personality. I think I'm going to keep going back to that word. That's what that's what makes it worth listening to.
0: And I'm sure that there's plenty of people who would listen to your description just now and say, "Well, Battleship Pretension doesn't keep my interest. You know, Slash Film doesn't keep my interest." And that's where personal preference preference comes in because there was there was that one guy who left the iTunes review in which he basically said like oh we have no interest in connecting with like the average audience member and it's like well I guess not if it depends on what the average audience member considers himself to be yeah. you know clearly this guy had no interest in the movies we were talking about and so he put the blame on us and I, so I, I, what I, do you I, got
2: I gotta got say a couple things okay okay you know that the two that don't have to do with the show that uh-huh. we're talking about right now, and okay. the two that do. Okay, uh, and the two that half and half. It the two good. that doesn't that don't have to do with the show. Number one, David, you're very good at manipulating bottles with, uh, one, with hand. one hand. <laughs> yeah. So throughout the entire day, David Bax has been unscrewing bottle caps, like you know, like a bottle cap with like a Gatorade bottle with one hand, taking a swig. And then screwing it back on with one hand, like yeah. all with one hand. It was it's, very, very impressive. It's three
1: years of podcasting with a microphone in my hand. <laughs> I have to set
0: the microphone down, use both hands. And even then, it's not a guarantee <laughs> that, I'll get, that I'm going to yeah. fix it.
1: Uh, second of all, you know, I think you
2: guys, I'll be honest with you guys, I think you guys take the iTunes reviews a little too seriously. And,
0: and not just this time. I, okay, okay, go ahead. Respond. I, I think he does. Okay,
1: I like that we get reviews... He actually reads them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I read them, but at the same time, like th- they don't like that one that I mentioned. It doesn't bother me. Okay, okay. You know, because it one, sounds like it bothers. You. <laughs> it it doesn't bother me in a way. I get bothered in two ways. Ways one in which it really hits me deep, in which usually somebody identifies something that I already thought. Right. You know, and sometimes we'll get an iTunes review in which they say they list this, 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 and like it's a very well reasoned, well structured review, right. and I feel like. You know what? They're probably right, right? And I can I can get something out of this. I'm bothered that I'm not this that that I'm not perfect already, and so uh, so that it bothers me, but in a constructive way. Right. But then it just but then someone will just throw out all kinds of terrible things, and it's just and that bothers me. It's just like well, I'm bothered that this person exists and is (laughs) out there because this person just said you know right. is living in so, the same world as I am yeah, but see, I don't okay, like that. so
2: so first of all I I'm a religious listener to Battleship
0: Pretension mm-hmm. so I
2: I've heard you guys discuss iTunes reviews past. That's, oh, yeah. that's why I bring this up right Well, well you've heard me
0: discuss it <laughs> and David <laughs> be like look Tyler it's fine <laughs> Yeah yeah I mean
2: I, and I've already, I've already I I believe I've said this to you Tyler mm-hmm. which is just that you know you'll always the 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 people that are that don't like you will always be more vocal than the people that like you Oh yeah and uh a lot of people they just do this drive by critiquing where they'll be like yeah. y- you suck and then they're gone, you know. There's no active dialogue mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. th- that. It's not like are they really trying to improve you, or are they really just trying to tear yeah. you down? You know, and if they're trying to tear you down, then no point in even paying attention to
0: them. Well, I'll, you know? I'll reveal a little something about my own neuroses here, All right. um, and why not? Uh, it's, we- com- it's completely self indulgent. We're really getting into it now. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> one of my concerns for the, for our live show, actually, the last co- both times, mm-hmm. has been I, I've gotten a fair amount of criticism online for my other show. Because more than one lesson more than one lesson at
2: more than one lesson.com mm-hmm. the movie review podcast from a Christian perspective
0: Yeah, that's the one day. Thanks. Um, <laughs> no it's problem. Uh, I'll, I'll do my own plugging. Thank you. Okay. Okay, um, but uh <laughs> no, I usually do it. <laughs> that's true Um, but uh, you know and because it is a Christian show I will occasionally say something that people don't like it's shocking. Yeah, I know and um And that's, you know, it's fine. I hear, you know, I listen to podcasts. I have listened to podcasts where people say stuff that I don't like. And uh, it should be noted, I stopped listening. Um, And uh, that's an option. That's always an option. It's an option. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I I actually worry sometimes that like, you know, what if somebody... And people have been very vocal. Some people have been very vocal about me and have called me some very terrible things. Um, And I sometimes worry that like maybe one of those people lives in Los Angeles they know about BP Live and maybe they'll shout something out from the crowd. And then there I am standing there being like, um, this is a comedy show. I don't know if I can. Ref- I don't know if this is the right place for me to try to refute the, well. the, f- the claim of fascism. Like that's a concern this is of a mine.
2: Very detailed. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> it, very much so. Uh, but then I actually came across a realization last night after the show. And I thought they're never going to do that because <laughs> the anonymity of the Internet is what Enables people to do that, and once they, once I could actually see their face, they probably wouldn't. Very possibly, and uh, and that's <laughs> once I, once I came ac- like it was last night as I was driving home. Once I realized that, I was like, ah, oh, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, the internet really brings the out the worst of in people. Of course, sometimes myself. Yeah, you are
2: assuming that none of your fans are crazy. So <laughs> well, there is that's that a pretty yeah, yeah. big <laughs> assumption. Uh, the, <laughs> had, you had some more points. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah points. I did have more points. Uh, I remember one of them. I don't remember the other. But at one point, you, were, you going back to your original question, mm-hmm. one thing I forgot to bring up was, and I know that we're going to get into an argument about this maybe, Uh-oh. but uh, you said, you know, what do you have to contribute to the world or whatever? One thing I really dislike about online movie criticism, mm-hmm. uh, written or podcasted, mm-hmm. um, is 95% of the time, there's never any discussion about the movie's ending. And therefore... Mm-hmm what the movie means like mm-hmm. what the movie's trying to say yeah because a lot of times it's, it's tied together like if you don't know what how the movie ends you don't know what it's what it's trying to say about the topic mm-hmm. uh not that every movie has to try to say something but yeah. yeah and so that was something that really annoys me because you know how many times have you seen a movie and you're like oh okay that i like like that movie a lot but i don't really know what that ending meant like no country for old men for example mm-hmm. you know And you're like oh maybe uh you know I I wish there would be a place where I could discuss what the ending of that movie was, like right. or, or read about what the. But no one wants to do it because they're all afraid of spoilers. Right, right.
0: and it's something th- the spoiler thing. It's kind of recent actually. Like is like the internet's been around a while, but the spoiler thing and even the term spoiler has only come about like in the last three years. I think. Well,
2: that's true, but I think that I mean film critics have, you know, never really. Mm-hmm. Like, mainstream newspaper film critics or magazine film critics have never mm-hmm. really given away endings of films. Right? Yeah. and Even before the internet age. So. And I was,
0: I was talking to a friend of mine. I had written a very lengthy blog for my other podcast, More Than One Lesson, av- available at morethanonelesson.com. See, so, yeah, I can do it too, Dick. Nice. we talked um, for The Discerning Christian. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, you even got my, my log line there. That's well done. Also available um, on iTunes. Uh, it sure is. Uh, 22 <laughs> iTunes reviews right now um but uh all of them favorable woo, um which means i'm doing well right uh so the uh (laughs) that means only your friends are listening (laughs) exactly no question about it um come on now david friends of friends as well um but the
2: (laughs) well that that went on for a while yeah Yeah. uh so
0: much so i'm not completely sure i remember what my oh (laughs) right um but yeah in in my other in my other show Uh, I wrote a blog uh, about being a film critic And it was very lengthy Because I think I had stuff to get off my chest Um, And a friend of mine actually chimed in And he said, you know, there is a difference Between a reviewer and a critic A reviewer will just try and give you The general idea of what the film is And whether or not you should see it A critic, their job is to go deeper And really talk about what the film is And analyze it And yeah, to do that You need to talk about all of it Because the way the film ends That's what the film is about Right. It, it, for the same reason that, like, Slumdog Millionaire, everyone talks about how depressing it is, and I'm like, yeah, I guess so. It's got a pretty happy ending, though. <laughs> I mean, a lot of bad things happen. Don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. And it's not a complete. It's a kind of a bittersweet ending yeah. for a couple of reasons. But like, I think of it as an uplifting film. Right. And a and a positive film. But y- you know, and that's the note that it ends on. And yeah. so people are like that movie's so depressing. That's it's it's just so depressing. It's like yeah, but it's not only depressing. Right. Because. Right. Yeah, if you cut out the last fifteen minutes, it's it's very very sad. Yes. But there is that last fifteen minutes there, and so so yeah, I feel like if you're if you're going to really delve into what a film is about, you do need to talk about the ending, and that is one of the things. Like, I, people know how I I tend to, I, I'm averse to throwing out the word spoilers, but I really should because if if David and I are going to talk about a movie, I do want to talk about how it ends. Yeah, yeah, but
1: we and we make it clear that we're not a review podcast, right? Right. right. Uh, and and you guys do reviews, but then you do the I, last segment. Yeah, the last segment of our reviews, we always you know coordinate it off with a,
2: a verbal spoiler warning, mm-hmm. and then it's like after this point, we can talk about the ending however much you want,
1: and mm-hmm. that's when your 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 review segment goes from review to criticism. Mm-hmm. I don't see. Here is the thing: you bring that up, and it, to me, it's like, okay,
2: yes, like uh, I. I I understand in concept what you're saying, the difference mm. between film reviews and film critics, like yeah. or film reviewers, film criticism. Which is not really uh, a concept
0: uh, of mine. A friend of mine put it out sure, there, and I'm sure. kind of getting around to it. And
2: it's like, okay, I, I, I can buy on some level that uh, an essay about, you know, uh, whatever, imagery of like phallic imagery in Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington or whatever mm-hmm. that like you read in some film textbook that that's like, okay, I can understand that's qualitatively different.
0: Did you read than, my senior <laughs> thesis? <laughs> yeah, actually I was going to say good job. Oh man. Um, uh,
2: that's qualitatively different mm-hmm. than, you know, something you read in the New York times, uh, the A.O. Scott's review of Shadow Island, that right. you read in the New York times. And so I under- I can understand that there's a difference between those two, but I think like the vast majority of film writing that, we read, you mm-hmm. know, that most everyday people read. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't see a particular need to distinguish between film critic, like criticism and film reviews. I, I just f- feel like it's a very, you know, liquid, fluid
1: sort of line between mm-hmm. those two. And yeah, so, I, I, I just, I'm just I just say say between you two. I, I, yeah. I don't know that it's completely fluid. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think there. I think uh, it, a lot of times it just comes down to word count, you know, if you've got, <laughs> if, if you're... If, but if it's, it's just
2: word, that's the thing, if it's just word count, it's totally a meaningless uh, distinction in my opinion. Uh, no, you know?
1: I, I guess, let's say word count is often a signifier. I <laughs> uh, got you. you know, got like, you. If, if, yeah. if it's going to be, if it's under a thousand words, it's probably just uh, a review telling you sort of whether or not, like, summing it up, telling you whether or not you should see it. But if you're reading, like, you know... If you look at like uh, the Chicago Reader, which is the sort of uh, yeah. the LA Weekly, or I don't know what the Boston version is, but just the, the free sort of independent uh, weekly newspaper, um, they have capsule reviews every week, and then every week there's one or two movies that get it's usually like three thousand plus words on one or two movies, mm-hmm. and those uh, will often spoil the ending, you know, yeah. uh, and and the, and they don't really put warnings or anything, and it's clear that those are the criticism pieces right. of the week, right. and, and the capsules are reviews, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I mean that's.
2: Uh, I can see why that distinction is valid. I just generally don't make the distinction myself. I just think you know, movie discussion podcast. I th- I'd say is probably the best way for us to talk about like our, our podcast. That way, yeah. it yeah. covers everything. You yeah. Know? yeah, you know what I mean. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's one thing I thought I could mm-hmm. contribute because I'd always be so frustrated like oh, I just saw this movie and the ending was so enigmatic. I I want, I I don't even care if I agree with it. I just need to hear someone's opinion Mm -hmm. about that ending. Like that way I can like make sense of my own opinion on it. Yeah. And it very difficult to find. Very difficult to find.
0: You know, it's interesting. And in this actually, I mean, we, we've, we haven't really touched on the topic that much, but that, that attitude that you, that you have is, it's an interesting one because you don't find it very often that like, uh, Because I, I, David, and I often talk about how people tend to be hostile towards uh, film criticism. I would say art criticism in general, but film critics are kind of the most uh, prevalent. Um, Like your attitude of like I need to I need to hear what someone else thinks of this, so that not because I'm not because you're a blank slate, because you've got your own you have your own opinions, and so you need to bounce them off of someone who you know whose opinion you respect. And uh, everything good um whose opinion you respect and and you just you just need another perspective. Right. And some people, I mean I've I've I was reading uh, AO Scott's review of uh, Sex and the City 2. Yep. And I was looking Which was scathing, by the way. Very much so. Yeah. And and that's the thing, scathing as a fan of the series. He liked the series. Yeah. And uh absolutely abhorred the film. Um and uh because I'm I guess just a complete glutton for punishment. I decided I'm going to see what people have to say about his review, and uh, <laughs> and a lot of people talked about how much they love the the movie and and this that and the other. But one thing that they said is like, it's like just they, they said just say what the movie's about. You know, I don't care what you think of it. Just tell what, just say what it's about. You know, we don't want to. You know, it's like I'll form my own opinion. I remember, being, and there's there is there a like a surprising number of those. There's like now there's a million comments on there and uh, some positive, some negative, but, like, I found I found more than one saying, like, just, hey, just tell us what it's about and that's the end.
2: Just so we're clear, when you say what it's about, that's different than the way I'm using what it's about, right? You're saying... Uh, it's, yeah. yeah they want, like, a basically rote plot summary yeah. you know, of the film. And when I and say what it. it's about, I'm saying, you know, No Country for Old Men is about... This guy, they want like, oh, this guy who tries to kill this other guy because he has his money. Yeah. Uh, and when I say what "No Country for Old Men" is about, I'm thinking nihilism. Yeah. Oh, right. thematically, yeah. What, is it, yeah, what yeah, does it What does it mean? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. 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 Well,
0: you're, you're talking about? What's it all about? Yeah. What's it in all the, exactly? In the, in the capital A. Yeah. In the Alfie yeah. sense of the word. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. But the uh, and and it just fascinates me, just the idea of nobody, nobody really. It's kind of the attitude. I mean, you mentioned the the democratic element of of the internet and it's just like look if i want your opinion i'll ask for it i don't like the idea of you putting your opinion out there you know and just i don't know there's just a general i think hostility towards oh you have the audacity to put your opinion out there in any kind of authoritative uh form all i hey i'll form my own opinions and so it's interesting that your attitude uh is one that i mean i i i share it and i feel like i feel like a fair amount of people do but just like I I need to hear what other people think about it because it will it will help to uh, it will help me figure out what I think about it and that's yeah I can
1: say I definitely I read more reviews of a movie after I've seen it than I do mm-hmm. uh, to I, I'll read a few I have a few trusted critics I'll go to right uh, if I'm on the fence about a movie yeah you know yeah. but I, I think this actually dovetails very nicely mm-hmm. with the topic at hand
2: um, because it's you know we're, we're I'm trying to figure out like what the role of the movie critic is these days. Film critic, film reviewer, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I don't even. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't have any. You know, I don't concern concern myself with the titles. Uh, Andrew Pulver from the Guardian wrote this article called "Sex in the City 2: Rise of the Critic Proof Movie," mm. and in the article, he brings up a couple of interesting points about movies that appear to be critic proof. And let's say specifically what we mean by that: movies that, despite receiving withering criticism. From va overwhelmingly vast majority of movie critics across the country, still nevertheless perform very well. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple movies off the top of my head that that uh, demonstrate this premise uh, Sex and the City 2, or Sex and the City 1, at least. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. did terribly with the reviews, but actually very well. $400 yeah. million yeah. worldwide. Um, Transformers? Transformers too. 2. Yeah. Rise of Revenge of the Fallen, uh, 700 or something. Some ridiculous amount. Yeah. Um, and, you know, movies like The Da Vinci Code, G.I. Joe. Etc. Etc. Um, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Andrew Pulver brings up, and uh, the uh, Mr. Pulver observes that there are certain things that make these movies. These movies have in common, mm-hmm. which is that uh, they're usually based on a pre-existing property, mm-hmm. so there's already a built-in fan base. Right. And so it's like that. These movies. It's very difficult for critics to sink a movie. Uh, right but it is it is actually beneficial it, it, it is conceivable that a movie could benefit from critical buzz but mm-hmm. less conceivable that a movie could be sunk by yeah. movie critics yeah. and god and
0: that used to be the case right i mean like in the 40s or 50s like yeah, oh, uh, yes. you really wanted a great critical review and if you got one it could really raise a movie up or i think back then it really could exactly. uh sink a film well i
1: have uh, two responses: one very brief, and then one that's my major, a uh, major chip in my shoulder okay. about critic-proof movies. A, I wonder. I'd like to get you guys' opinion. Do you think there's a bubble on this kind of thing? Do you think eventually, after so many critic-proof movies that are actually really bad, they make a huge opening weekend, but they're not good? Uh, do you think eventually the public's going to catch on? You, d- you don't think no, so? No,
2: I, I'm shaking my head. No, I mean,
0: <laughs> I yeah. think. I don't know. Here's the thing is, I don't know if it will be like a vast awakening. And for the record, uh, this is this for for listeners. Now, Uh, the three of us sitting here talking about the public, uh, it it could it could sound very condescending, by the way. And uh, I apologize if it sounds that way. That said, um, (laughs) it's I I don't think there's going to be a a vast like everyone saying like, hey, you know what? I don't think it's going to be anything like that. However, how well are movies doing this summer? Like so far. I mean, movies like Sex and the City, 2, it's still doing in Shrek uh, Forever After or whatever. The final um, chapter, what's it the called? F- yeah. Shrek the, Forever After. Okay, yeah. Um, the Reckoning. Um, <laughs> the. Electric Lulu. And then, of course. <laughs> With a Vengeance. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Sh- Shrekker. <laughs> um, but the. You know, that, that has done well. But not nearly as well as Shrek 3 right. did. Yeah. Sex and the City Two is not doing well. Uh, the, all the movies uh, this this week uh, they, they came out this weekend uh, have done pretty poorly. Uh, McGruber, which was an incredibly hyped film, was uh, like totally tanked.
2: I would not describe it as incredibly hyped, but uh, okay, I agree with you. Everything uh, well, it
0: just like for example, I go to, I I read the Onion AV Club all the time, and there would be like banner ads on that. Right. So that's There's, kind
1: of the uh, the demographic,
0: I suppose. But like. I mean, I remember there being a trailer for it in action movies and comedies for like the last how many months? Again, they're going to a certain demographic. I, think I suppose
1: things aren't incredibly hyped until they're like bus ads. Yeah,
0: but I mean, like that had like a like a, what a, like a ten million dollar budget and it hasn't yeah. even made that. But like nonetheless, it, it was a, it was supposed to be like a big movie and people expected it to do oh fairly all right and it just completely tanked and just like except for, with the exception of Iron Man two and the surprise of How to Train Your Dragon. Like no movies that have come out after the beginning of May have done nearly as well as expected, and with the exception of maybe, uh, with the with the exception of Inception, and uh, I'm sure Toy Story three will do well. Like with those exceptions, like I can't think of anything this summer that's that people are clamoring for. But I want to get to my other point. Okay, go big one,
1: which listeners have heard me say before, but I want to get to it. Okay, this critic book movie, the the rise of internet movie geek. Journalism and criticism is often part of the problem. Mm-hmm. In that, in the in the nerd mindset, and I don't want—I'm a nerd. I don't want to say that sound like that's derogatory. But in it, whether you're a film nerd or any kind of nerd, there's there's a there's such a like a uh, what's an obsession with uh, with newness or freshness or being the first. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, they. If everyone, the example I've used recently is, most people knew leading up to it, the Clash of the Titans was not going to be good, mm. or, or, or just had this. It seemed pretty clear. But the nerd community, because it's the thing that's aimed at them, uh, because they want to be first, they all went and saw it opening weekend. Even if they came home bashing it, it it doesn't matter. The nerd obsession with being the first and being and and not being. Uh, behind the loop on anything ever is 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 part of the problem uh the the uh, a movie studio if they make a this genre property they know that the nerd the nerd fan base is is built in even if they're gonna hate it mm. that's i don't think i don't think the the nerds will ever become a, a, a powerful uh, wield any real power against hollywood uh Unless they change their ways, uh, which is just don't go if if you you don't have to see everything. But that's that, that's my main problem with the the online movie geek uh, world is just so being so afraid. Okay, macho guys get accused of like pissing contests or being competitive or whatever. Male nerds are just as bad just in a different way <laughs> and the their currency is knowledge and knowing and being up to date mm-hmm. and so even if all signs point to movie being movie being terrible the 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 nerd community is going to go see it opening weekend because they feel they have to and hollywood knows that and that's why they don't care if spider-man 3 is terrible
0: well let me ask you this actually um i'm sorry david were you about to say something
1: uh well no,
0: go you go ahead okay yeah I think this is where. This is where I, like, I
1: really want your response to that because I've said that a million times in this yeah. podcast, and I'd like. <laughs> Tyler's probably sick of it, so I'd like your response yeah. at some point.
0: And I actually, uh, what I'm about to say, I just thought of. <laughs> okay. Uh, for all the times that you've said this. Um, you know, I, I, and I think that's where, like, the internet film nerd community, I think this is where you kind of get into this gray area because they feel like, oh, this movie's going to be terrible. And I don't want to give it money. However, I do have a blog or a podcast or whatever, and I feel like I should go see it. And, you know, because that's what a critic does. They see everything no matter what. Mm -hmm. And part of me is like, yeah, but they're paid to see it, and they don't have to pay to see it. And that's the difference. But at the same time, like, if if you do run a site and you do put stuff out there on a regular basis and you need to generate content you know you may feel like you're obligated to see everything even though it's terrible and that's where that's where like internet film criticism that's where it it differs than regular film criticism is for them to do their job for lack of a better term for them to do their duty uh they they've got to pay to do it and so that's where you kind of get this weird thing like they need to tell everybody how bad this is going to be just as they thought it was going to be but to do so they're only affirming the the making of it and in in spite of that, that was my attitude about Alice in Wonderland which I thought like this looks terrible I don't want to see it but if I'm going to talk about it I guess I should see it and then I decided you know what no I'm not going to see it maybe I'll spend a dollar at uh, Redbox but that's uh but that's as far as I'm going to go I'm not going to see it in the theater
1: so what is your response to my uh, anti geek so, <laughs> yeah
2: uh, so i'm not really 100% sure th- what you were trying to say in terms of how it affects opening weekend grosses like wh- what why is the nerd community bad like that by covering these uh, movies they're validating it's not
1: covering it it's the and i'm not even talking about uh the actual critics themselves uh it, it, although they're, they're often there's a line you know uh, cuz the majority of nerds are also self-styled <laughs> film critics yeah yes. mm. um it's just the fact that because they have to see it you know uh as a part of it's just a part of their of the community they have to see them they have to see wolverine x-men, X-Men origins. origins uh opening weekend no matter what they say about it the studios don't care because they're already a built-in part of the audience <laughs> It doesn't matter how scathing their reviews are after the fact because the only people who listen to most of them are of the same mindset and right. are already <sighs> going to see it anyway. And, and it's just – their, their so, criticisms ex- exist in a vacuum too often. Okay. So, wh- so why is this a, a bad thing? Because they, they don't wield any power when they, right. when they dislike right. a movie. It yeah. doesn't matter because – the the movie the studio is going to keep making them because they're going to keep getting the money right so right, right yeah, yeah. S-
2: no, no yeah i understand i think i mean that's to some extent the i mean it's a it's a variation on on the argument that this guy is making and other people make about a movies being critical for years but you're basically saying geek communities online are quite insular and that you know that the nothing that that they can't sink a movie if they if they try Basically, yeah but right?
1: it's even worse than that is that they're actually helping the movie because they're all going to see
2: it, so if you're talking about a movie like Transformers, you're saying mm-hmm. everyone's gonna see transformers even though
1: all the all they the all, geeks, all hate know, it. even though the first one sucked and uh, there's no reason to believe the second one's gonna be any better yeah
2: i think you know I think that's uh the, that's they're, gonna a stup- get, they're gonna get their dollars right mm-hmm. I think that's an astute point i mean that, but that's why studios you know to to go that's why studios choose you know pre-existing properties is because of that, you know, the build, that, that way they don't need to spend that much more on the marketing, even though they do anyway. Right. Uh, to go back to the, you know, why this opening grows, that opening gross, I mean, I just think there's so many factors. It's very difficult to predict. My friend uh, and colleague on the guys Adam, thinks that how good the previous movie was will dictate how good the sequel was. So, you know, Casino Royale was great, and then Quantum of Solace was in my opinion, pretty bad, but it did even better than Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why was it because everyone thought Quantum of Solace was better or because Casino Royale was so good? Right. Um, Spider-Man 3 (laughs) did, I think, even better than Spider-Man 2. Right. Is it because Spider-Man 3 was a really good movie and everyone liked it so much more (laughs) or is it because Spider-Man 2 is awesome and everyone wanted to go see Spider-Man and like the buzz build, you know? like So, but, and then, you know, there's other factors too, like how popular is a property to begin with? Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time. That movie did not do well in the box office. Um but they're like, oh yeah, Prince of Persia. This game's popular. It's a really popular game. People are going to want to see a movie based on this, right? And so they they took a chance
0: and they lost.
1: Yeah. But yeah, only you know, the people who played the game, which in in major movie terms isn't isn't enough to keep a movie afloat. I don't. Yeah, think.
0: but that's why they that's why they no, kept, a movie of that size. That's why they kept touting uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Everything about it. Clearly, it was trying to. They were trying to kick off another Pirates of the Caribbean right. type thing. Like they said, from the makers of Pirates, you know, from the producers of uh, Pirates of right. the Caribbean. They, it was just, it was everywhere. And the very fact that it was, you know, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, implied that all right, if this does well, then it's Prince of Persia, you know, whatever. Um, and so everything about it, and the fact that it's kind of kind of funny, but still very adventurous, especially everything about it, it was that's the thing. Prince of Persia is a pre-existing property. Pirates of the Caribbean is as well, and they were trying to get those like try to. It's like between these two audiences, w- I think we can do it, you know. And I think what they failed to realize is that Jake Gyllenhaal, while he's a, a fine actor, uh, he's no Johnny Depp, and uh, and that ca- and y- you only run across like a no, Jack Sparrow I, I every once also, in a
1: while. I, I think it's just the level of familiarity is not the same. I mean, I'm I know a lot of nerd people, but I don't really. Like Prince of Persia was so not right. anywhere near the top of my mind. Like yeah. it, I think of Game Boy when I think of Prince of Persia. Right, right, That's how yeah. long ago I actually cared about. That.
2: But I, I guess what I'm trying to say, like where, I guess the the viewpoint that I'm converging on is just that there's so many things that will feed into how well a movie does. If mm. it if it's really sunny outside uh-huh. uh, in the in the Northeast, mm-hmm. you know that weekend the movie will do poorer because people will be outside playing instead of going to see a movie. You know, like, there's just so many factors. It's, it's like, really difficult to tell what affects... Uh, why why did fewer women see Sex and the City 2 than Sex and the City 1? Uh, because everyone likes Sex and the City 1, but the Sex and the City 2 did, uh, 2 did much poorer. Like, why yeah. is that? People have a lot of speculation. Maybe it's because the weather was good. Maybe that's part... Yeah. You, you don't know. There's so many factors. So I guess what I want to... Like, what I personally try to focus on is, like, what good can... If if we can't like sync a film, you know, if people talking, if our discussion of movies can't sync a film, like, what good can we do? You know, uh, I think we can. Uh, uh, oh, I do think there is good we can do. I'm not. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. there's nothing. I'm saying you know, let's think about what good this whole enterprise can accomplish. Well, one of the
1: things that I think we can do, and I think has been an, on my part an almost subconscious mission statement mm-hmm. in all of Battleship Retention, is hoping that young budding film geeks are listening Mm -hmm. and that we can help help them not only decide what movie to see this weekend uh but just uh help them in learning how to think about movies Mm -hmm. and and maybe foster a younger generation uh make make sure that people caring about quality in movies isn't dying with the rise of the critic proof critic proof film right Mm -hmm. That's that's one of the many good things. That and by the do. way,
2: just to, to clarify, like some people would argue that the critic proof film has always existed, and it's not just rising now. Right. Uh, and I think that's a good point as well. So, well, the term yeah.
0: itself has been around for, a, like, the term has been around for a while. Right. But the idea of movies not being screened for critics, I mean, I remember The Avengers uh, with Ray uh, Fiennes, Ray and, Fiennes and, and Sean Connery, and, yeah, um, that one was not screened for critics, and that was actually a big deal. And then the film didn't do well, um, and so. Just in general, it's like the studio is like, look, this film's not very good. I mean,
2: I I don't think whether a movie is screened for critics has any impact on on, on,
0: on the the gross. I mean,
2: yeah, Yeah. not anymore. And uh, people, something else I didn't mention is obviously like social media and people are saying, oh, word of mouth. That has a far bigger impact on a movie now than film critics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People are saying the Twitters and the Facebooks and all those, that's going to affect whether you see a movie more than... Whether the Ballast of Pretension guys
1: liked it, or yeah, whether yeah. the slash film cast guys liked it, you know? I, I have a. I, and have I have think that's a good thing. No, th- absolutely. Uh, I, I I like what social media has done. I like that. Um, but uh, but you can see why people might not think that that's a good thing. Like yeah, like there
0: is, are, there
2: are some people, and I uh, I I sympathize and maybe even agree with some of them that that think that you know film critics should be the arbiter of taste. That people should be like, you know. Um, Some people do know more about movies Mm -hmm. than other people and should be able to you know, say, like, this movie is bad and have people not buy tickets to that movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, people can make up their own minds, but, yeah, they should be treated with respect. But I want to bring – I guess – I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to remember because I know you keep track of this stuff better than I do, uh, Dave. Um, Avatar's opening weekend was certainly not bad, but was it – how was it – how was it compared to the projections cuz i feel like it opened not as great as it was expected and then it built over the months is, is that am i misremembering that well let's look up how good it did on the opening weekend but which i'm going to do right now
2: but uh as we're talking about that i mean that's been the case with uh james cameron's other i mean james cameron's other film uh titanic as well mm-hmm. it didn't open that great yeah but it kept going month after month and, well, that's, it, and that's
1: because he's uh, he's a good he's a good filmmaker. He's a good he's a good storyteller and that I, and I think there's a difference there there're different kinds of filmmakers and uh you know seeing a um oh, I'm trying to think of an example of just someone I don't know Michael Haneke or whatever mm-hmm. that's not for everyone. That's for people who think a certain way about film because he's a great filmmaker. But James Cameron is just a great storyteller, and you don't have to have a film degree to enjoy having a good story told well to you and that's why james I think that's why james Cameron's films benefit so well from word of mouth because it they he he's he makes films in a universal uh, a way that he relates things that are universal right right uh seventy seven million opening weekend by the way which was is that, okay for uh for, was that
0: more or less
2: for November that's more or less than what?
0: like was that more or less than expected
2: i mean You know, I think it's the movie. It had things going for it, like Mm -hmm. the fact that everyone loved it. All the audience loved it. It had things against it. The movie's two two hours and 40 minutes long. Um, It wasn't going to make, like, what's, I don't know what the highest is now. Something, 130-something million is, like, the highest opening three-day gross at this point. And so it wasn't going to make that much. Um, And the question is, will it have legs? Will it do well internationally? And it, 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 there is no one I know that was Uh predicting $2.6 billion. Yeah. So, um, so it certainly, it certainly, it, it showed us all in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Although,
0: I mean, I I was watching a a thing, and it's it's odd that you mentioned the idea of something being sunny. Well, like, I don't know if Avatar had come out in the summer. I don't know if it would have done as it's w- it, sh- it yeah, still yeah, it would have been it huge. Was a good time to come out. But like yeah. coming out in winter, when a there wouldn't be a lot of huge competition. It had Sherlock yeah. Holmes at the end of December, yeah. but like in early January, there's not yeah. usually well, very I much. Don't
1: know, but but summer is also uh, when it's. You know, with global warming and whatnot, when it's super hot outside, spending two hours and 40 minutes in an air-conditioned theater is... I mean, there's a reason big movies come out in the summer.
0: Right. But also in the winter, things are, like, so yeah. bad, there's not much else to do, and so right. people will trek yeah. out and see... Yeah. But uh, you have. But to see even this
1: conversation,
2: it kind of reveals, you know, like, there's, just, there's all, so many factors. Yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. You, you can never know. But let me ask you this, guys. You know, like... Is there anything you guys beyond really enjoying talking about movies? Mm-hmm. You know, is there any other reasons that, and, and what you said about fostering a new generation of of that's, filmmakers? Is there anything else you, you that I you mean, see that's, as your that motivation? Was my answer.
1: Uh, that. Uh,
0: mine, I, I think I mentioned it. Uh, like I, I wanted to create a, a show that was informative and yet also entertaining. And and I'm I, I'm negative reviews aside. Um, I'm actually, I'm very pleased with the show that we've put together. Uh, it's a show that I would listen to. Um, and so, I, you know, it, I, I apologize if that sounds self-congratulatory, but ultimately, like, no, yeah, you yeah. should be pleased with the product That's you put exactly out, how I IM. feel
2: about it. Like, I produce a show that I would want to listen to. Yeah.
0: That, that's the only,
2: that's like the one goal I have in mind, is would I listen to this? Yeah. And if, you know, I try to make it a show I would listen to.
0: But the loftier goal that I had was uh, that I, which I, I'm not sure if we always accomplish, is... Um, and I think we mentioned this uh, at uh, at breakfast earlier today when talking to uh, Peter, is that um, there's a lot of the use the word the word is overused, but there's a lot of snark online, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of and there's people who just they want to be negative, they want to be the first ones, and they want to be the ones to say I see through this crap, and they might wind up seeing through something that's actually quite good, and they're just looking for reasons to be. Angry, they're looking for reasons to be negative about a movie because when you when you're negative about something, you can make fun of it and you can score some cheap points and people can all of a sudden think you're awesome. And I feel like there's a lot of that on the internet. There's way more of that than I would say there is legitimate film criticism. And so, again, David and I will sometimes bash a certain filmmaker or whatever. But for the most part, like I, I really uh, we met uh, Daniel of uh the totally rad show and he i mean he said like i always he always tries to see the positives and i think that's actually a good attitude to have uh and as david has said you should try to be cynical towards studios but as far as like films and filmmakers like benefit of the doubt i think is pretty good
1: i walk into every movie with the assumption that i'm gonna like it yeah and then i let it let me down with people, I have the opposite approach. Oh, okay. <laughs> I meet every new person with the assumption they're going to annoy me, and then let okay. <laughs> them surprise me. Nice. Um,
0: and so, so I think like actually like, and even and even if you and I don't like something, and again, sometimes we'll be very we'll be very reductive and dismissive, and and it's something that we do because it's easy. And I, I try to avoid it if I can, but uh, but we fall prey to it just just as everybody does. But at the very least, even if we don't like something. Being able to talk about why you don't like it, it's not just like, "Oh, he sucks, that should be enough, right uh-huh. no, like actually just changing the nature of trying to change the nature of how people talk about film because quite frankly if if everybody says that, "Oh, it sucked or no, I just didn't like it, so that means it's bad then that it's attitudes like that. Put out there by people who call themselves critics. It's attitudes like that that make people hate critics. But if you show that you can actually express yourself in a sensitive, intelligent way, then people will be like, wow, this guy. It's not necessarily that, oh, this guy's always right or this guy knows what he's talking about. But it's like, well, oh, wow, I guess there's more to film than I thought. And I guess I, cannot, I can start thinking of it this way as well. And so, that again, that's very lofty, but well, trying is, to change the nature of it.
1: What is your answer to your question, Dave? <laughs> yeah i mean i think
2: uh, what you know it's interesting because we never had any i don't think we ever had any lofty aspirations the one the one thing we did want was again to to provide a place where people could talk about the the endings of movies Mm -hmm. try to divine their what they're about what their meaning is and uh but people have taken it in a way that wasn't necessarily what we intended Mm -hmm. uh and have gotten stuff out of the show, they've gotten stuff out of it that we didn't intend to put in. Oh, yeah. But in a good way. In mm-hmm. a good way. They'll be like, you know, I was a struggling filmmaker, and uh, I was ready to give up, and, you know, I listened to your show, and it, it you know, it reminded me why I love movies. Mm-hmm. And I think what you guys are saying is right. You know, I think charity, even though the movies that have come out this summer have been pretty crappy, mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said about trying to be charitable about movies, because it's like, we're not doing this to hate movies, you know. Yeah. We're doing this because we like movies, and so why would we, you know, go out of our way to, to take a crap on something unless we actually felt that way about it?
1: Yeah, you know. Um, well, let so. me let me ask you this. Yep. Let me play devil's advocate here. Uh, why? How does Slash Film choose what movie to review? And and I know you've answered this before, so I kind of know what your answer yep. is. Yep. Um, why not do? Uh, a, a smaller movie, like yeah, I'm sure you guys didn't do, you know, stop loss or whatever when it came out. Why, why okay. not do a movie that's good? Good point. Uh, uh, it, we, I actually kind of conceive of it more of a,
2: you know, book club. Uh huh. I conceive of slash homecast kind of like a movie club. Yeah. Where everyone sees a movie, and you you, you kind of get together and talk about it yeah. afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's why we actually, you know, uh, film spotting, for example, they broadcast a show on Fridays. We broadcast our show on Mondays after, everyone's, mm-hmm. had after everyone's had a chance to see it. So it's that like a water cooler kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, so when we choose a movie, we choose a movie that people are likely to have seen, especially mm-hmm. because we're going to talk about the ending of it. Yeah, yeah. and it's no point it to pick a movie that's only playing on four theaters in the United States. Yeah, Is that was it, the
1: other point that uh, like you guys didn't do Precious because Precious only opened in four cities. Right. Uh, actually, we weekend.
2: did do Precious. Oh, we didn't do it opening week. Exactly. Okay. That's, exactly. That's, we did it when people that, actually had the chance to see right, it. That's right. You did do Precious. And. Yeah. Yep, good.
0: Well, and it's, it's interesting. I actually, for my other show, More Than One Lesson, available at morethanonelesson.com, also on <laughs> iTunes, it's, uh, it, I got an email from a guy. He, he was very nice about it, but he actually, uh, I recently did an episode on Iron Man, the first Iron Man, and he was like, why are you doing that? Like, it's Iron Man. Everybody has seen Iron Man. I thought you were trying to get word out about fi- like, good films that Christians haven't seen. Iron Man is the one that they have seen. It's like that's and I and my response was basically and he was he wasn't mean about it but uh, and my response was basically yes that's true but frankly the principles of film criticism can be applied to anything and why why review a movie because I a couple weeks before that I did the White Ribbon and so it's like okay well I tried to find the a nice balance but at the same time Christians aren't going to see the White Ribbon and they'll see Iron Man and if you actually if you give them right. a different take on it all of a again all of a sudden they'll, they'll be like oh shoot. I guess there's more to this than I thought. And then if you, if, you, if you do it with stuff that they thought they already had figured out, then maybe they'll, they'll start applying it to, uh, maybe they'll start seeing lesser known films and then maybe they'll start applying it to that as well. But like, you kind of have to, it's the same principle uh, when, I, uh, when I worked at a video store and people would ask, uh, like, oh, well, what do you recommend? And I would start with movies they liked and then I would try to come up with movies that were similar but better. And then before you know it, you know, like, uh, LA confidential, a lot of my friend, uh, a lot of my friends had seen LA confidential and they really liked it. I was like, well, if you like that, you'll like Chinatown. And before you know it, they're seeing a movie made, uh, several years before they were born that they never would have seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so starting with something that is familiar and showing that the, Hey, these principles can apply to the Wolfman just as easily as, uh, you know, something incredibly obscure. And so, I. Uh, so I, I I actually I like that you guys uh, not to imply David doesn't but like I like that you guys pick a big movie and really right. really break it down because right. it yeah. it gets people thinking about the blockbusters in a in a different way than Hollywood would have them. Right.
1: Yeah, your uh, Shutter Island episode was one of my recent favorites. Oh well, thank you. Which Very I didn't good, listen to. I guess yeah, I should good listen to discussion. that. Um, let me ask you this: How are we doing
2: on time? Because I feel like we're reaching a. Yeah, we're, we're coming near the end. Yeah, okay, hour hour. I, I have a good quote to end on, actually. Okay. Oh my gosh! I have a good okay. Quote to end on. I, I mean, yeah, we could be, we could talk about this for another hour. Oh yeah. You know. Um, so you know, please know that you're as, as you're listening to this, this does not constitute my uh, totality of my thoughts on the subject.
1: Oh okay. This you isn't know, your Jerry Springer final thought. Yeah, people will, <laughs> people
2: will be like, man, that guy really didn't have a lot to say about the topic. Um. But, you know, something that people are decrying a lot mm-hmm. is the, the death of film criticism. You know, the death of the, like, power film critics, yeah. you know, that, that could hand down by fiat, like, what movies were good and bad. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they were the kingmakers. Mm-hmm. And they were the people that could destroy a movie, too. Uh, and we don't have that anymore because of people... Like us, <laughs> uh, and people think, "Oh, that's that's terrible." You know, like mm-hmm. that's a terrible way of our our culture has lost something, has is dying, and this is another symptom of its death and mm. its slow and long decline. A.O. Scott wrote a very nice wrote a very nice article in uh, the New York Times called "Is There a Future for Arts Criticism." He was responding to the fact that his At the Movies had been canceled. Right, right? he had this is the the show that Siskel and Ebert. Hosted for decades, yeah. and then uh, was replaced by the Bens, right? Yeah, and a then of guys. and then they brought in Ao Scott and um, Michael Phillips, Michael Phillips, yeah. right, to uh, to sort of take over. And it was and good. They, they did it a good job. Really they good. did a good job. And so there was a, you know, people were speculating. Oh, you know, well, if they had taken over at first instead of the Bens, would the show still be in existence? Like, w- what's going on? Um, and and then people were saying, oh, the fact that this show is dead is like such a big sign of like how crappy film criticism is today Mm -hmm. and here's what a.o scott had to write and this is three paragraphs so please indulge me but i I think you'll agree with it okay Okay. uh (laughs) at the movies um was uh was called the, the start of the slippery downward slope was it the slip the start of a slippery downward slope or the summit of the critical art Neither, of course. The circumstances in which the art of criticism is practiced are always changing, but the state of the art is remarkably constant, which is to say that from a certain angle, the future of criticism is always bleak and the present always a riot of ill-informed opinion and boisterous disputation. Some gloomy soul will always wish it otherwise and conjure an idealized picture of decorum and good sense. Early in the last century, T.S. Eliot wrote that upon giving the matter a little attention, we perceive that criticism... Far from being a simple and orderly field of beneficent activity from which impostors can be readily ejected, is no better than a Sunday park of contending and contentious orators who have not yet even arrived uh, at the articulation of their differences. A hundred years before Eliot, Samuel Taylor Coleridge thundered that till reviews are conducted on far other principles and with far other motives, "'Till in the place of arbitrary dictation "'and petulant sneers, "'the reviewers support their decisions "'by reference to fixed canons of criticism "'previously established and deduced "'from the nature of man, "'reflecting minds will pronounce it arrogance in them, "'thus to announce themselves to men of letters "'as the guides of their taste and judgment.'" Both Coleridge and Elliot, who were writing about print, "'sound uncannily like ranters "'against the internet and television, "'and like present-day old media scourges "'of the blogosphere, they had a point. "'But they are also projecting an impossible "'and self-undermining wish,' Because it is only through the confusion and the noise of the public sphere that criticism has advanced, discovering its principles and best practices, preserving tradition, and embracing the new. Well, there you go.
0: That's pretty great. And, and I would Thanks uh, to our guest, A.O. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and I would actually, you know, I, was, I would compare it to something else that actually is uh, dying uh, legitimately this time, um, is uh, the death of the video store uh, due to Redbox, and I would say more specifically Netflix, um, or just any kind of online uh, thing. Uh, and while I will... I mean, Blockbusters are closing, Hollywood's right. gone now, and Blockbuster is going to be gone a lot sooner than people thought, including myself. Um, and so... And I remember being really sad about that. I enjoyed going to movies, uh, video stores and like just taking my time, picking out like 10 movies, whittling it down to three. Uh, I really enjoyed that, uh, and I will miss that when it's gone. That said... There are, you know, there are people who, you know, the the video store I used to work at in Nixon, Missouri is closing. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that would happen. (laughs) And and I remember thinking like, oh, man, that's a shame. However, it will it will cause people to turn to Netflix where there is a much wider selection than almost any major video store has. And it might actually cause somebody to broaden their view. And so, in a way, while the experience is different, and in my view, perhaps a bit less satisfying, the result can be a very positive one. Much like film criticism, it is sad that at the movies was canceled because it was a great show at the end, um, and it is a shame that print critics are getting fired. That's that's a shame because they're losing their jobs and they can't. And this is what they do for a living. Um, but at the same time. Uh, People have found because of the internet, people have found slash film they've found battleship pretension they've found any number of film podcasts or film blogs and 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 because we don't have to worry about a network saying like, "Look, you need to talk about this movie this week. That's what people want to see because we don't have to worry about that. we can talk about whatever we want, and in doing so, we can again, lofty we can change the way people maybe change the way some people think about movies. And people, or at least up, cause them to think about movies, or cause them to yeah. think about it at all. Yeah. yeah, and so that's it is sad that that it's changing because change can always be sad, but it's not entirely negative.
2: Yeah, I, and I really like that essay because it's like back when at the movies came out, people were saying, "Whoa, this this is terrible!" Like thumbs. For yeah movies? like you can you know that's that's awful and then yeah. now everyone's like oh my god like at the movies is gone there's twitter the internet like you know yeah. and it's uh-huh. like people are always going to be bitching sorry to, you know people are always gonna be bitching about this type of stuff. you can <laughs> say anything you want on this show <laughs> yeah it's yeah. fine people are always going to be bitching about how film criticism is never as good as it was yeah all we can do as whatever you want to call us film reviewers film critics Mm -hmm. film Mm discussers I I, I prefer not to use any of these but uh, people I like to think of us as people exactly (laughs) Um, is you know try to get people to check out movies that we think they would like that are cool that are worth another look that they might not have checked out Mm -hmm. and you know spur some thought into what these movies mean and what they can say about us and our culture that's what I I envision the the optimal goal as
0: yeah, being a critic is an interesting thing because ultimately, as, as fun as it is to get like emails from somebody who really loves the show and, and talks about that, ultimately, like a critic's job is to only ever point. Whoops, forgot to silence that phone. Sorry, everybody. Uh, the critic's job is on, is to only ever point at great directors and great films and be like, "Yes, I thank you for giving me that compliment on my show, but more important than this is you watching this film over here." Right.
1: Yeah. Well, so. these are good points to end on. Uh, Agreed as always we've been battleship retention uh if you want to find us online you can of look at you can go to battleship com or search in itunes under battleship retention you can find uh me twittering for the show at, at com slash the pretension you can find my other podcast previously on in itunes by searching under previously on uh or you can email me at david at battleship com. you can find tyler on twitter uh, or you can email him at Tyler at Battleship or on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons, which is the official Twitter feed of his other podcast, more than one lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com or under iTunes, more than one lesson. And uh, to use your phrasing, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at twitter.com slash
2: Dave Chensky, that's Dave Chen SKY, uh, and at slash filmcast.com and Tobolaskifiles.com. All right. Thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, and thanks for being here, Dave.
2: Thank you guys for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. All right. Agreed.
0: And uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.